Welcome to the Gomas Podcast. I am your host, Giggs, alongside KD. I'm Jay. And we are back with another new episode of the podcast. I've been away for, for quite a while. So KD and Samjay have been holding it down. Thank you very much for that. But before we get into everything... This is your show. The Gomas Podcast. One, two, three, go! Okay, now, before we get into all the news, man, we know that Liverpool are champions. We know that uh, the Premier League has been quite sensational uh, after lockdown. But before that, I want to introduce my guest returning for another episode of the Goldmouth Podcast is Kennedy Oldwatch. Thank you for joining us on the Goldmouth Podcast today, man. I am glad to have you finally. We have not interacted on the, on the podcast, but we inter- interacted away from the podcast. So I wanted to know about Brosis, what have you guys been doing? Uh, if you can, just in a nutshell, uh, what is Brosis Football Club? And then you can explain to us what challenges you've been facing um, during COVID and what plans do you guys have uh, to try and uh, uh, pull yourselves again out uh, after COVID? Okay. Uh, thank you. Uh, I'm Kennedy Lutz, just as you said. I'm Manchester United fan. And at the same time, I'm a coach of Brosis Football Club. Okay, Brosis stands for Brothers and Sisters. This is a community team that is based in Lenana. Lenana is a place in Dagoretti South. And as you know that most of the places in Nairobi, we have got slums. So it's not that different from Dagoretti South. Uh, Here in Lenana, we have a slum known as Kajiji. And therefore, being a community worker and someone who has got a lot of interest in football, I decided together with friends to start a community team in order to help the kids who are around here. We know very well that most of the kids in the community are not given opportunity for creativity, being that uh, the challenges that they are facing will not always allow them. uh, And therefore, we know that most of the kids come from uh, I'll say vulnerable backgrounds whereby mm-hmm. uh, their parents are even affected with something to do with alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Uh, the situations in the slums and at home are not favorable at all for the kids. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I thought that uh, coming up with the community kids will maybe create a way or give room for those kids who are not able to get opportunities from their place uh, to have something to smile about or a place where they can call home and feel relaxed and they are able to reach maybe their potentials now. Uh, so the idea of coming with Brosis Club has really gone well by the community. The mm-hmm. response is good. Most of the kids have really benefited, and I can say, like, uh, the past year we participated in a, a Dagoretti Youth League, whereby we ended up being position six. It was our ah. first time to compete. Out of how many teams? Uh, yeah, I, I, we were around 22 teams in the league. Oh, that's excellent. That's, that, uh, that's a round of applause for them, Banner. That's, that's excellent. Yeah. 
we yeah. are 22 teams in the league and uh -huh. being an exposure that we took the community kids it was a first experience for them they have never participated in such a tournament before uh -huh. and of course being our first uh, tournament we had a few challenges here and there of course we did not have enough resources for the team uh -huh. and we are hoping that maybe after our participation in the league is going to open for us uh, more ways so that we are able to tap talents where it's possible and i'll also mention that uh, the process football team we are trying to help our kids to excel in their education because yes. we believe that apart from sports you can education. also change your community through education right yes, yes. Yeah, so through the football team, we are able to link our kids to different schools that are offering scholarships. Mm -hmm. And for now, I can say that we have managed at least to take, I think, more than around 11 kids to schools whereby they are being given full scholarships through the football. Oh, excellent. Yeah, and what we are also doing to ensure that our kids perform well in school, we have also started up a community library whereby since the kids are not able to maybe get something to do with electricity at home, the congestion in the family, in the household, so they can come to the library, they do the assignments through some volunteer teachers who, so that we ensure that as we nurture their talents in football, we are also trying to impact their lives positively through education and therefore we are hoping that if everything goes well the partnership that we have between the library and the football is going to ensure that all these kids are able to get scholarships and i'll go directly now to challenges maybe that you have asked us whether yeah, we yeah. have some challenges because of course covid 19 uh, covid 19 has been a very uh, weird season for all of us including including uh, those that are football fans but i'm sure for Brosses football club it has been uh, quite a shift in terms of the experiences that you've had uh, true, true, true. Just as any other, let's say, sport or different organizations have been affected, we have also been affected being a community team and the things that have been put in place by the government. Uh, you know that sporting activity is a game that brings people together and we have seen what COVID-19 has come up with. So it's very difficult to assemble the kids in the library. It's still very difficult to bring the kids together in the field to play out or maybe to have any team building activities. Mm -hmm. So actually we never anticipated for this one and it found us as, a, I will say, it came as a shock to us because we never anticipated like if such thing would happen. So most of all our kids are at home. That is what I will say. We are, I'm just trying together with my team maybe to meet them once in a while. Mm -hmm. And during this time also, we were forced to do something else because we could not play football. We could not have the kids in the library. And mm -hmm. the, the team is still a community team. We could not even have something like maybe say we do something like, uh, let's just say something. We be creative to do with the online classes for football or online uh, teachings for the kids in the slum so it was just hectic for us yeah. but i'm proud that we managed to source for some people maybe well wishers and we did something we managed to mask all our kids the brosses football kids oh that's excellent yeah we masked them just to ensure that we were trying to be together with the government and show the kids that we are supporting what the government is doing so that after COVID, we are able to come back to normal and we continue with our activities. Excellent. So it looks like through through uh, COVID, despite the challenges, there are well-wishers who've been coming through and, uh, and are able to support you. But 
other than that, is there any other way that even our listeners and our fans can be able to support uh, Brussels Football Club, given that it's a community club that is enhancing the young talents uh, through football and education? Yeah, okay. Uh, since it's a community team, we are open to everyone. As long as you, someone comes in with the right motive and we feel that uh, it's going to help us to achieve the objective that we have with the kids, we are really open. And I will say that uh, just like any other team, we have our own challenges. Uh, of course, we need resources such as the balls, the jerseys. Uh, we also face challenges because when we were playing our league, we had to struggle at some point because we have to travel, even though it's not a long distance, but you mm -hmm. have to travel, having in mind that this, some, of, some of the kids are as young as seven years. So okay. you can live from Lenana. Sometimes we go up to Kawangware, and it's a long distance. And some of the kids, uh, we know very well our backgrounds. They come mm -hmm. from home without taking anything in the morning, and you have to stay with them there. Uh, we are also volunteers, meaning that we are just trying to do our best. Sometimes when we have our resources, we use them on them. But uh, it reaches a point whereby we are overwhelmed by all the challenges. And so I'm just appealing maybe to anyone uh, who would like maybe to join us on this good course. Uh, we have our page, the Brosis Football on Facebook. And other than that one, we also have my personal account whereby you can follow whatever we do. Uh, that's Kennedy Watch on Facebook, Instagram, the same as Twitter. Mm -hmm. uh, so anyone who is listening uh, to us outside there, kindly you can get in touch through those platforms that we have given out and we are very open to anyone. Thank you, Kennedy, man. Uh, so, guys, as you've listened, man, Kennedy, uh, head head coach of uh, Brussels Football Club, a community club that is just helping the vulnerable kids uh, uh, that are out in Lenana because, I mean, they, they have to also uh, drive passion of football but also get an education. And as you said, you can reach out to them on Facebook at uh, Brussels Football and on this personal page at Kennedy Old Watch on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Follow us as we follow football and support the brands that support the Goldmouth podcast. And together we can yeah. be able to impact the kids in a way that uh, even we don't, we're not able to imagine uh, through our listeners and through those that can also uh, reach those people that are able to support a process football club. We'll be able to carry on the conversation of uh, growing Kenyan talent and growing Kenyan kids to uh, a professional. Because I mean, from Brussels, we can have two, three Wanyamas that are going on to play in the Premier League and being the stars of tomorrow. Sure, sure. Yeah. Excellent. So uh, thank you so much, uh, Kennedy, again, for just uh, bringing Brussels to light. And we are uh, uh, a proud, we are proud to be part and affiliated with uh, Brussels Football Club, the Goldmouth Podcast. Um, uh, for me, I think we're, uh, through KD and Samjay, we'll, we're going to be able to uh, try and support this club in any means possible, even if it's just pushing out the name of Brussels. That is the least you can do in terms of uh, trying to support a football club. Okay, guys, now, this week has been insane. Uh, the one thing that I really want to highlight is the fact that Chelsea have done it again. They have helped another club win the league. They did it in 2016. They helped Leicester uh, lift the title, and they have done it again uh, in 2020, helping Liverpool lift the Premier League title once again. Now, I don't know about you, but the Chelsea versus City game was one of the most dramatic. Having 
on literally these guys were saving goals from going into the post from the line but before all that this is going to be of course today we have four people and we have two arsenal fans two united fans of course we are not part of the title <laughs> conversation the, with the clubs we support with but the one thing i know is that we'll be able to and as KD I had mentioned before, it's going to be a very hard podcast to talk about, especially United fans wow. in, in Kennedy on Watch and KD who have who are United <laughs> fans and have a brutally uh, uh, record of winning titles back to back. United now at twenty uh, is it twenty champion uh, twenty Premier League titles right now, and uh, of course uh, myself and uh, and Samjay who are uh, budding Arsenal fans who have kept the faith. Uh, all through, <laughs> all through the Premier League seasons. Let's talk about that game now. Chelsea and City was insane. Uh, there were a couple of defensive errors that led to the first goal. Now I don't know about you guys, but don't you think City was sloppy there uh, with with the first goal going in? Uh, uh, what do you guys think? First of all, even before we get to talk about maybe the Chelsea and the City game, mm-hmm. I'm of the opinion that um, that game was not the one that decided that Liverpool were going to win the league because really? when you look at yeah, because when you look at each man, Liverpool had already won the league even before December. So that that game was just a formality. So Liverpool had had already won the game even before December. So the Chelsea and the City game was just the one to decide maybe it's about time that Liverpool win the league because. Mm-hmm. When you even look at the point gap, um, 25 points separated uh, the first team and uh, from the second one. So it, that game was just a formality to declare Liverpool the champions of England. Um, that game, it was crazy, just like you said. Um, I think also uh, City were not in their best, especially in, in terms of defending and all that. So it was good, especially a good game for, for the young Christian Pulisic. When you look at Chelsea right now, they'll be bringing in the likes of ZX. Timovana will be coming in. So this was a very good game for Pulisic and for him to prove that he's up to, to the task going forward for Chelsea. And for City, man, I think they could have done better even despite that. There were a few glitches from, from the referee and also from the VR, but mm-hmm. it was a good game to watch overall. It was a mm-hmm. good game to watch overall. Yeah. Do you, do you think the Fernandinho red card was valid? Yeah, it was valid. That was just a clear handball. <laughs> even even for, for someone who's never watched football, it was just a clear red card for Fernandinho. Okay. It's something that I had to ask. Yeah. Because, because they are, of course, they might, they might have been, for City fans, uh, big arguments uh, through and through. But obviously, uh, we know even through the analysis of various uh, news outlets that they were like, okay, this was a clear uh, red card. But I want to hear from from Kennedy, especially uh, in terms of uh, the, the performance that City had defensively. They cleared that ball off the line a number of times. So for me, yeah. you, there was such a big defensive error in my in my sight. And as KD said, there was a lot of defensive uh, or le- lack thereof. Uh, I'd also say that it was actually a dramatic match uh, indeed. We saw a Man City team that really tried to keep possession. They really try to try to have the ball, even though they could not attack well as they are always used to. And therefore, if you cannot attack most of the time, uh, it means that you are always exposing your defense. Because if you possess the ball, yet you cannot attack and reach up to the box of the other team. So that is what we saw from Man City. Because Man City, yes, they had the possession with them, but they were not able to join their defense, the midfield, and the attack. And therefore, this kept them at their place. And when we saw Chelsea, uh, Chelsea came with, uh, I said that Lampard was very strategic in this game. 
mm-hmm. because we look uh, from the selection of his formation. He, we did not expect maybe Lampard to drop someone like Jorginho. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And we saw that when he dropped Jorginho, Jorginho, he came in with Kante, who has got a very uh, high work rate. And therefore, he had, he had known that uh, Man City were going to attack because we have seen Man City attack. We know that their forward line is very, very, very dangerous. Uh, but this one never came to happen. And that's why we saw that there were so many attacks on the side of Man City. Because if you cannot attack, then it means that you are giving the other team opportunity to come to your side. And that's yeah. why we saw that they were getting so many balls out of line and everything. So I would just say that uh, Lampard's strategy worked in this match and it was a nice win for them. Now, Samjay, uh, 2016 happened that, uh, that, that KD says it's a formality. Uh, I, will still say, <laughs> I will still say it is, it is something that we have to highlight. Chelsea have done it twice. Uh, yeah. Whether a formality or not, they have uh, enabled another team uh, to ideally celebrate their title win. And of course, yeah. uh, next week, City have to uh, give a guard of honor and hand over the title to Liverpool, which in my eyes is very painful. But what do you think? Yeah. First of all, Giggs, I should say that City missed Kunaguero. Yes. And situation forced Guardiola to go with a false nine, which did not work to his tactics the way he wanted. And then they defended very carelessly. So ideally, then Chelsea can be considered the, uh, what do I say? They're the ones that pull the spoilers. Everyone. Yes, the spoilers. The spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Now, KD, I know there's there's something that uh, that, that you that you brought to light uh, that you had brought to light, but I want you to bring it now. The transformation that Klopp yeah. has brought to Liverpool Football Club has been tremendous. Now he's brought to light something that is now being applied by very many managers is is uh, in putting faith in the young players and letting the young players thrive so they can bring you the results that you need. Uh, I, I'm sure there's something that you have noticed because you know. On the podcast, you're the guy who looks at it from a fifth angle. Everyone else is looking at it from three angles. You look at it from a fifth angle. Uh, <laughs> what has Klopp done differently that other managers have not implemented yet within their squad? Personally, one thing that I'd give uh, credit to Klopp for doing at Liverpool right now is working with a low budget. Because when you look at Liverpool, Liverpool are a side that even though they are a big club, they are a club that is not known for spending too much. Because mm-hmm. when... Um, Klopp joined Liverpool, they had the likes of Skatel, the likes of Moreno and that club. That, those are players who are just on their decline. When Klopp joined uh, Liverpool, it has taken him time to, to transform that, that team um, completely. Buying the likes of Sadio Mane, uh, the likes of Mosal, even players who, did not, who were not even known much um, for transforming teams. But look at what he has done with that team. The likes of even the young Trent Alexander-Arnold, the likes of Robertson. So, for Klopp, it's been a complete overhaul, especially in that team. And one thing that I can say about Klopp is that Liverpool and the board and also the fans, they have, they have been very patient with Klopp to do all that transformation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because even when you look at maybe at a club like um, United, I, I'll give a perfect example of United. So, after Fagi retired... Um, it, it has been very difficult for United to gel in the Premier League. and all you, that. And, and you have United gone also. through four managers. Let me just point that out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is, yeah, it's of essence that you pointed out that. But when you look at Liverpool, they have been very patient with um, Klopp. But then also, it's not just been a matter of patience. It's something that Klopp has been building. 
you don't just give manager time, but then also you don't get to see the results. So Liverpool have been patient with Klopp, but then also he has given them the results, talk of the Champions League and also also the league right now. So for Liverpool Football Club and also for Klopp, one thing I'll say is that they have been patient with their manager to, to complete the, the rebuilding and all that. Let, let me pose a question to everyone, but I, I want Kennedy to, to start answering with this question. Uh, might this be the best, uh, in, in the run of five, six seasons, might this be the best uh, squad in the Premier League that we've had through the five, six seasons of us watching uh, Premier League football? Yeah, okay. Uh, I'll just say that uh, to answer that question, maybe, uh, I think I would agree with you. Uh, the Liverpool team that have emerged as uh, champions in this season uh, has been one of the best squads that we have ever had. I'll uh, just say even we have ever had, not just in the last six seasons or so. Because mm-hmm. we have seen a Liverpool team that was complete. Uh, when Klopp came in, uh, uh, when he just came in during his first season, we saw a Liverpool team that had uh, different players with different qualities and skills. And when he came in, we saw a coach that really tried to give opportunities. He introduced his style of play that he had come in with from uh, uh, Borussia Dortmund. And immediately he realized that this thing was not going to work because he had players, uh, the likes of Benteke, the likes of Sturridge, we had Firmino in the team. And he tried to implement uh, his style of play. And we know very well that uh, Klopp is that kind of coach who believes in high pressing and counter-attacks. And when he had those players, he could not manage. And he therefore went out and he introduced uh, players such as Mohamed Salah. He introduced Mane. We saw him go out and tried to come up with the best defense by signing in the... Uh, uh, Van Dijk, he came in with Matip and he also introduced young players such as Trent Arnold and if I may say, it was quite clear that this one was a coach who was determined to come up with his own history or I'll say legacy in this team and we saw it last season, he was nearly uh, clinching the title when he was just he lost the title, I think one point behind Manchester City uh, but still he managed to prove for us that he was uh, he was up to the task when he clinched the Champions League title. Mm-hmm. So by just looking at all the things that Klopp had achieved and how he had transformed the team, we were just waiting to see what was going to happen this year. And I think even before the season had begun, I was very sure that this one was a team to watch. And considering their participation and how they had really... Uh, participated in the Champions League, I knew that most of the teams are going to have problems in the team. And I'll not fail also to mention this part. Uh, Remember that when Coutinho was in the team, Coutinho was uh, uh, one of the favourites, fan favourites. I'll say he was fans' favourites. And it's normally very painful when you lose such like a player Mm-hmm. And most of the people will always wonder if you can really get his replacement. But we saw that Klopp was very fast to react and it reached at a point whereby even the fans never miss Coutinho anymore. So I just think that Liverpool deserved the win and it has been a nice season for them. More so to Klopp, fans and Liverpool at large. 
Samjay, I'll pose the same question to you because I think uh, I agree with, with Kennedy and what he says in, in that, uh, in all the seasons. And and because I'm, I'm talking to you specifically because me and you are Arsenal fans and when we say the best Premier League side ever, we have the Invincibles who, have, who will also come into this conversation. So I really want, if we're really talking about the best Premier League side ever, are we comparing to the Invincibles that were there or are we comparing it to the strategies that were put in place to build this squad? Gigs, they can't match the Invincibles. Thank you. That is all I needed <laughs> to hear. <laughs> let, me, let me just clarify on something. <laughs> Actually, Liverpool, maybe in the last six, seven years, they are the best side. I agree with you. Yeah, but not ever. Because even Manchester United had some one of the greatest squad at some point that won treble. Still, we can't compare that team with Liverpool. The, the fact that Liverpool are thriving is that uh, the Premier League teams right now, they are not up to task the way people are, uh, are expecting them to be. Yeah. Because uh, if you look at the past season when we had the likes of Stoke City in the league, the likes of QPR, they would turn up in even in big games. But right now, if you look at the likes of Crystal Palace, mm -hmm. when they meet the big teams, they always shrink. Mm. Yeah, actually, the the lesser teams they are they are just after forty points mm -hmm. and they are done. Yeah, they don't want much. They are just yes. after 40, 40 points. They just want to beat that relegation battle. So be above the relegation and, zone. Yeah. Yeah, and they are comfortable. All right. So, Giggs, you asked, is this the best side? Uh, is this the best Premier League side that you've seen in the, over the last five years? Yeah. But over the first, uh, over the last five years, you have to look at the teams that have won the Premier League. Talk of the Man City, talk of the Liverpool. Right now, we've had Leicester City winning the Premier League, and we've also had uh, Chelsea winning the Premier the Premier League. So, when I compare the Liverpool side of uh, uh, when, when I compare Liverpool to, to the other to the other teams, talk of talk so talk of the Leicester and also the Man City and also the Chelsea team. So mm -hmm. I think they don't even come close to, to even the Leicester City team because when you look at when you look at even the Leicester City team, it was like a miracle. No one even expected that Leicester City would even win the the Premier League. So the extent to which they, they won the Premier League tells the Makes makes the whole makes a whole lot of difference when you look at even the Manchester City side that won the Premier League. Um, was it in the eighteen nineteen season? Yes. So they won the Premier League with over a hundred points, breaking every single record. Talk of the legs of Kevin De Bruyne and also the Bernardo Silva. Yeah. But when you look at Liverpool, this Liverpool team, um, the 2020-2021 um, Liverpool side, they are not even as better as even compared to the Liverpool of last season. So one thing about the Liverpool of this season is that um, they have been efficient, especially in terms of not allowing goals um, in their back line. They have been steady in the back as mm. compared to the last, as compared to the Liverpool's uh, last season's team. So I'd say that they don't even come close to that side. But then also they have been an outstanding team. When you compare even to the other teams, now that you went to to uh, to the extent of comparing them to the to the other teams that have existed in the Premier League, talk of the talk of also the invisible. You also mentioned that talk of the maybe the the, the Jose Mourinho's team that won the Premier League in two or five, two or six, three season, or even the yeah, 
or yeah. even the United teams in the 1999 that also won the treble. So when you compare this current Liverpool team to such sides, I think that they don't even come close. But then also they have had a good season. Well, I, I, and I agree with you because I don't think there is, and that's why I specified the, the five or six seasons, because if you look at it ever, uh, we, have, we have people like United who have surpassed very many uh, uh, title reigns and have had uh, uh, absolutely great players. Arsenal have been in the same situation. City built and did the, uh, uh, had the same formula where Pep Guardiola built his team and were able to uh, break records. Now, KD, now that I have you within that trail of thought, there are certain records yeah. that we have been looking at uh, uh, over, over this season in terms of the unbeaten run, uh, which, which was not uh, clenched by Liverpool and is still with um, Arsenal. Uh, we've been looking at uh, how many games uh, they've been taken so they can win the league. Now, with Liverpool, which record specifically has stood out for you? Uh, one that they've, ha- they've achieved and one that they were close to achieving but were not able to? I think personally, I'd say that one of the records that has stood out for me is their home record because I think they have gone over 49 unbeaten matches at home. Mm-hmm. That's a huge record. That's a very huge record. I wouldn't want to mention about them going over 25 points uh, ahead of the, the second place team because at the end of the day, the record that matters most is them winning the Premier League. Mm-hmm. No, one, no one will come and say that you, know, you won the Premier League with over 25 points. <laughs> at the end of the day, the record that at the end of the day, the record that will stand out the most is that they won the Premier League. But when I, when I look at them and how good they have been, especially at home, and how they have made uh, Anfield such a threshold in such a way that it's very difficult for teams to go at Anfield and win games. So I think that's one thing that has stood out for me with this Liverpool team. Okay. How, how very good they have been at home, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kennedy, what, what record has stood out for you with this uh, Liverpool side, given that they have tried, attempted, and been playing through records this season? I think what have stood out for me is uh, uh, the running streak that the the win that they had for a very long period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can see in the EPL this season, Liverpool has only lost one match, which came as a surprise when everyone just thought that maybe they were even going to uh, to turn everything that we call the Invincibles. Sam, you'll forgive me for that. We saw the joy that came in and all the, everything, the emotions from Arsenal fans who Liverpool lost during that match. And, but I just think th- that is what I can say has really stood out for me. Uh, having gone for all those matches without a uh, loss, and they only lost one match. I will not say that uh, this season was not competitive. Actually, it was competitive. It only, it's only that Liverpool organized themselves well and their tactics worked to their advantage. The debaters I want to bring forward, and this one I know uh, uh, Sam Jay will spark, <laughs> will spark something in Sam Jay. Now, there are, two, there are two cases here. Number one, Liverpool lost to one of the most useless teams in the league. Okay. Yeah, I, I will not. Yeah. I, I, I will not mention. Yeah, it's who. true. It is. That's true. factual. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but, that's factual. But, but number yeah. two, can we also say that VAR had just a bit of impact on the way Liverpool are winning their games, especially the beginning of the season? Sam J. Actually, VAR was under a test. That's what I can say. I can't blame the VAR right now because the league is like it is done right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, they should look at the negatives that were in the VR this season, 
so that they can rectify it come next season, which is not far. Because you can see the impact the VR has played in the teams like Burnamouth being down there. So which, many teams. Which is, so which many. is very unfortunate for them because they're one of the best yeah. teams that can make top 10 easily. Yeah. The, there are so many decisions that VR has made so that some of the teams are not in the in the position they are, they are right now. But you can't blame because that was the first time. Now, let's give it a second chance and see what's happened. Because if you look at the game between Chelsea and Man City, VR actually helped because Fernandinho, that handball by Fernandinho would have just gone that way. Mm-hmm. It would have not been noticed. But the, the positive side of VR, you review it and see what has happened and so that the referee can make a decision based on what he, he has seen. Yeah, that is the positive. And the negative, again, Sheffield United against Aston Villa, it oh. was again chaos. VR did, oh, did not yes. do its work. Yeah. yeah. So you can you can see it has the it has some positive vibes and negative vibes. Uh, and actually, so we should... Uh, the Premier League should concentrate on the negative vibes mm-hmm. so that they can rectify them. Now, yeah, gigs. When I look at maybe, yeah, yeah, gigs. When I look at maybe the when I look at maybe the VR and also in relation to Liverpool winning the league. In all fairness to Liverpool, mm-hmm. I think that Liverpool could have still won the league even without the VR. So because I know there there has been some decisions which have been very controversial in favor of Liverpool, yes. but I was looking at some I was I was looking to a comparison that was done um, whether in whether the VR um, was introduced or if it was not introduced, Liverpool was still leading the Premier League in the table. They were still ahead in, uh, um, they were still ahead of other teams yes. with and without the VR. So in all fairness to Liverpool, they would have still won the the league. So even, with with or without VAR, yeah. with or without VAR in yeah. your case, with or without VAR, Liverpool was yeah. still going to get it either way. But we also yeah, have they were, to admit, they were going to we have to admit yeah. also that but, there were some decisions that were in favor of Liverpool yeah. that we did not see it as as being fair to the team that was playing Liverpool at the time. Yeah, but there have been very difficult matches that they have really had to work very hard. Even uh, we, with the VAR, so I think <laughs> which have shown that gigs. <laughs> yes. Yeah. KD, KD, KD is trying to shield himself from the VR thing because Man United also has been a beneficiary <laughs> of this thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, Sam, I won't, I, I won't let you attack United because of the VR. And I know, I mean, your gigs. Yes. Yo, Giggs, I knew Sam would bring up the issue of VR in relation to United because because of the penalties that we've won. That's which, not yeah, up to which, us. Are many, which are very many. Let's yeah. just start there. Which are very many. Yeah, you, yeah, you can you can, you cannot blame United for winning uh, penalties. That's their job. <laughs> if your team is not, yeah, yeah if, if your team is not, yes, yeah. uh, yes, Kennedy. Uh, yeah, uh, I was very silent because I was not sure whether you had asked about VR uh, being favoring Arsenal or Manchester United, but some just came out clear on what he really wanted. <laughs> and uh, if I may also talk, say something maybe yes, about yes, the please. VR and yes, the please. Liverpool issue. Yes. Yes? Yes. Yeah. 
yeah. <laughs> if I may say something about the Liverpool and the VAR issue. I think uh, when first VR was introduced, uh, we were very sure and we hoped that VR was going to sort all these controversial scenarios that we have always had in the beautiful football match. Uh, but it has turned out, out to be that VR itself is controversial again. Uh, yeah. And I think I, I will disagree with you at some point, but mm-hmm. still... Uh, there's still some sense. We have seen uh, different scenarios where VR has emerged to have favoured or have worked in favour of Liverpool and mm-hmm. disadvantage to the teams who are uh, in those matches. Yeah. So I will not say that uh, VR has played a bigger part in helping Liverpool to clinch the title because just as I was saying when we were discussing about the Liverpool issue of emerging victorious, we have seen how the Liverpool has really tried uh, to come up with their team and everything. And last season, I think there was nothing to do with VR favoring them or anything. And we saw how they were able to compete well. And even this season, apart from the VR and everything, they have still had a very nice run. And the gap between the Liverpool and Man City, it has been a little bit big and convincing that even if it were not for the VR, uh, they were they were still going to emerge victorious. So okay. I think it has been unfair at some point, but mm-hmm. still they were they deserved it. All right. Uh, so, I, but I agree with you guys. I mean, sometimes you have to spark conversation. But I, I think going off of what community and what fans have been have been saying, there are some who are in the favor of. There are some matches where VAR was with Liverpool. There are some which they were not. But uh, Liverpool, yeah, I think, yeah. time and time again, have proved over and over that they were the best team in the league. Now. Let's not talk about the club in itself, but let's talk about standout players. And, and I want to start with Kennedy because uh, myself, KD, and Sanjay have talked about this man. Now, Henderson, being the yeah. Liverpool captain, has, elective, uh, has electively, over several platforms, several discussions have been done. Is he the captain that to look, to look out for this century? Was he the guy that really... Because there was one podcast we were all listening to who said that Henderson should be, uh, uh, should be a player of the year. There are some discussions that are saying uh, uh, where does he rank amongst the, the, the best captains of, of our generation. So let's start with Kennedy because I've heard from KD especially and, and Sam Jay has mentioned it a few times. But Kennedy, what do you think about Henderson being... Uh, one of the standout players for Liverpool, and where does he rank in terms of uh, being the best captain uh, in our generation? Uh, I think I will call Henderson the more the unsung midfielders. Uh, this is a player who has really been very instrumental in this team, considering that he is a leader. We have seen Henderson trying up to uh jail well with the new players that have always come in the team and i think even if we look at this season the role that henderson has played uh, has really has really played a very big role in ensuring that their team emerged victorious mm-hmm. and uh like the other strike the other midfielders i'll say the other midfielders that we have always seen play in other teams such as the likes of the green uh, the likes, maybe I would say people like Fabregas when they used to play, Lampard. Uh, this one is a midfielder that has really proved that he had something to offer for his team. Uh, he's good at defending, of course, and which most of the midfielders always lack. He has really portrayed the leadership skills that he was given. And therefore, I feel like uh, uh, the role that he has played really uh, has played a very good role in ensuring that 
he becomes maybe if if it happens that he be the EPL player of the year mm-hmm. uh, I think I will, with no doubt uh, I'll say that he has really worked for it and he deserves it so I don't dispute it and I think that uh, those people have made the right decision to come up with Henderson and as the captain yeah uh, now, interesting conversation, and this one I'll involve all, all, all three be, uh, between KD and Sam J. Sing Player of the Year and Sang, and I'm going to start especially between uh, Kennedy and KD. Now, can you yeah. compare the, the likes of uh, Henderson to your former captain that is in Carrick? That is a challenge that I want to throw out there. Let's, let, let, let me throw this conversation out there <laughs> so that me and Sam J can see how you guys are going to react. Between, between Henderson and Carrick, if we're looking at uh, a leader, someone who gels with, with uh, as Kennedy said, someone who gels with uh, uh, new incoming players, where will you place him between the two? And, and, I, and I want to start with, uh, with KD, then I go to Kennedy. Um, that's a very difficult question. But <laughs> when I look at maybe <laughs> Jordan Henderson and Michael Carrick, I'll view them maybe, I'll start by viewing them in terms of their career. In terms uh-huh. of Curry, obviously, Jordan Henderson doesn't even come close to Michael Curry because mm-hmm. I think Michael Curry was one of the most underrated midfielders that you've ever seen in the world, let alone in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. So my, in terms of uh, playing and all that, Michael Curry is way, way, way ahead of uh, Jordan Henderson. In terms of leadership, I'll still agree that Michael Curry is still ahead of Jordan Henderson. But when I look at Jordan Henderson, one thing that he's managed to do is that he's managed to show leadership even with the young players, talk of even the likes of um, um, Trent Alexander-Arnold and even the newcomers, talk, to, talk of even the likes of Minamino and all, all of those newcomers. So it's really managed well to, to show leadership mm-hmm. in the team because when I compare maybe the likes of Michael Carrick, Michael Carrick had very good players whom he had played for a long time, talk of the likes of Rio Ferdinand, the likes of Rooney, the likes of Van Persie. So these were all experienced players who had um, the option of maybe the discipline of controlling themselves on and on the pitch. But when you look at maybe the, this current team, you have to look at maybe the likes of these players who are joining in from lower-ranked lower teams. So for him as a captain, he's done very well. But when I compare the two, he doesn't come uh, close to Michael Carrick, whether in terms of winning mentality and all that. So Michael Carrick was one person who was able to show leadership on and off the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of performances on the pitch and all that, in terms of all the pitch, talking to the younger players, the likes of Jones, the likes of Smalling, who are not performing very well, to give them the confidence to go on to the pitch and perform. The same case that I've also managed to see with um, Jordan Henderson, because when I look, just like I started by saying, is that Michael Carrick had the likes of uh, players who, who had the who had that um, urge to control themselves on and off the pitch. They knew what they had to do on and, on and off the pitch because talk, talk of the likes of maybe the, the likes of Wayne Rooney. Wayne mm-hmm. Rooney was a very ambitious player in such a way that this young player, he could not have been found in situations whereby he was not supposed to be found. But when you look at uh, the, the current Liverpool teams, you have the, the likes of maybe, um, talk of, I'll even give the likes of maybe, these young players, talk of these young players who even, uh-huh. um, they have to be nurtured and show the right direction. So, <laughs> and, and, show, and show the right direction by the senior players. So, uh, Jordan Henderson has done all that. Um, he's shown leadership in that Liverpool team. But in terms of maybe when I compare to the other 
to the other Premier League uh, captains and all that. You will talk of the t- likes of Tony Adams. Yes. You'll talk. So you'll talk of the likes of Gerard. You'll talk of. Um, you'll talk of maybe um, other other very good um, captains that you've seen. So I think he's up there in terms of uh, maybe showing leadership. But in terms of performances, just like Ken said. He's an efficient player. He's an mm. efficient player. And that's all you need from a player, especially from a midfielder. You don't need uh, a fair midfielder and all that. He's an efficient player on the pitch. So I think he's a good, uh, he's a good leader. I'd Be- say that he's a good leader. Before Ken responds, because I- I'd want to get a short response from, from Ken, the one thing I want uh, Samjay to think about is the debate between Gerard and Henderson. That is one thing that I want Samjay to respond to just before Kennedy uh, responds to the Carrick versus... Uh, um, Henderson situation. Uh, what Samjay, as as we go on, what do you think, or who do you think uh, might be the better captain? Not looking at titles, looking at their performance. Who might be the better captain? The Gerard is it Henderson? And then we'll get back to you. So Kennedy, let's uh, hear your response. Okay, uh, I think I will look at it on a different angle when we talk mm-hmm. of. Uh, Michael Carrick and Jordan Henderson. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the tenure of Michael Carrick, we all saw that uh, Michael Carrick had uh, great players, if I may say. He was surrounded with the very good players, the likes of Scholes, Fletcher, we had Wayne Rooney. And uh, by the look of things, if you have such players with those potentials, it's quite clear that you are likely to play up to your full ability or you are likely to get all the support that you require. And therefore, mm-hmm. with no doubt, uh, Michael Carrick was just going to be a great player during that time. But uh, in the same scenario, when I look at uh, Jordan Henderson, it's a little bit different from what Carrick had because you cannot compare the like of midfielders or the midfielders that Liverpool have had during this time. Maybe I'll talk of people like Wijnaldum, Fabinho, Lalana. These are players that we cannot compare them with the people who are surrounding Michael Carrick, such as Coles, Fletcher, and even Rooney. Mm-hmm. So I just think that uh, the role that Jordan Henderson has really played in Liverpool team as a captain, it has really been something that I can say that has required personal attributes or personal uh, skills which he has really shown to us. So for me, I'll say that Carrick still remains a better midfielder compared to Henderson, mm-hmm. but uh, having in uh, or maybe uh, having in mind with the things that I've said around, he had players that really helped him and he was surrounded by the best out of the best compared to what Henderson has had. So that is yeah. how I look at it. But he yeah, uh, gigs, yes, yo, yo, gigs. And uh-huh. one thing that maybe I'll, I had forgotten is that you had to look at even the captains and what they are able to do in terms yes. of other teams. Last okay. week we had the the Brighton and the and the the Arsenal game. Yes. And one thing as a captain that you are about you are supposed to do is speak to these young players and what they need to do even on the pitch. And one thing that maybe that I, I had forgotten about Jordan, Jordan Henderson is where was Jordan Henderson? Who, when Patrice Evra was racially being abused by Suarez. Where was mm-hmm. he as a captain? Mm-hmm. Where was he mm-hmm. when they even had to, to wear T-shirts that were defending Luis Suarez? Mm-hmm. Well, on the other hand, Luis Suarez had racially abused Patrice Evra. So one might say that you have to show leadership even on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. It's not only when it comes to your team only. 
So, so what you're saying, play. what you're saying, ideally, then, if it in terms of leadership, is that we're not showing leadership in terms of strategies of plays, but we're talking about even the moral and ethical uh, 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 positions that you also have to play within your club. Yeah. Yeah, you just have to take your stand, especially even though you're, you are the captain, you can take a stand whereby even the other players can follow. Okay, so I, I hear you in terms of, so which means then we cannot compare the two, depending on what position we're looking at, then they'll have, each of them will have their own attributes that they can, uh, they can be acclaimed to, correct? Yeah, but, yeah, but in terms of leading Liverpool, uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's just have to, he, he has to be up there, he has okay. to be up there. Okay, this one, yeah. I'm, this one I'm, I'm only returning to Sam J. Sam J, the one question that everyone wants answered, who is the better captain, Gerard Henderson? <laughs> yeah, I love that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this one is a very, a very tough one, but uh, these are two players that has played in different generation, actually. Mm-hmm. If you look at Gerard, his generation, you can't compare it with the generation that Henderson is playing right now. Mm-hmm. And the team structure that Klopp has has built is better than that one that was that was built around around Gerard when Gerard was still playing for Liverpool. Okay. But in terms of gameplay, I think uh, Gerard Gerard is the best footballer than Henderson in terms of football playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe he will not he will not contribute much the same defensive part the way Henderson is contributing, mm-hmm. but going forward he's more lethal than than Henderson. Now, let us go to the leadership part. In terms of leadership, I think Steven Gerrard still stand a chance of being the best leader. Okay. Right now, okay. right now we will. De- yeah, right now we'll debate that Anderson is is a better a better leader just because they have won the league. But but this one this one is a teamwork because Klopp has done everything right. Yes, the way he has structured that team mm-hmm. is he has structured it in in the right way. Mm-hmm. Even if Gerard was to be in this team right now, Liverpool will win the league because the club is structured in a certain way that it has some philosophy philosophies that is following yeah yeah i think steve gerard stand a chance of becoming better leader than henderson ah okay your gigs yes let me tell you something at the end of the day when the history books are are going to be written Mm -hmm. people are going to praise jordan henderson just for the sake of winning the the champions league that is the point i wanted to bring out yeah, because yeah. yeah, yeah, because one thing that people will never forget about Stevie G is about their sleep. Yeah. But when people talk about the winning the Premier League, people will be talking about Jordan Henderson, Jordan Henderson. being the first captain to win. Yeah, to win the first league for them. So, okay. yeah, it goes that way. All right. So, uh, but uh, in terms of Liverpool, in terms of Gerard, as uh, Sam J is saying, Sam uh, Gerard brought a lot of qualities in terms of one being a better player, uh, b- being a better football player. That is. And then also in terms of leadership, because again, it's two generations, but it, it's a debate yeah. that has also been sparked within uh, the, the, the debate around Liverpool winning the league. Who then do we see as as better? Yeah, now gigs. Mm-hmm. If the evaluation stands that uh, in terms of winning the league, Anderson will, will stand a better chance. People will will just uh, evaluate in terms of winning the league. Yes. But if... 
I think in football you should not evaluate things like just winning the league. You, if you are, if you watch football, at least you should look the way uh, game is being played, and at least you should distinguish between the way the team is right now mm-hmm. and the way the team was when when Steven Gerrard was still was the captain. Yes, and you can compare the two. Okay, so uh, I think with all that, I know we have uh, quite a, a few things to talk about Liverpool, but this being uh, a special episode uh, just to highlight uh, Liverpool's success, uh, there are things that, of course, I want to, I want to dive into uh, other than Liverpool. But the one thing I want to say is uh, congratulations to Liverpool for winning the league. Uh, it, has taken them quite a, it has taken them a while to pick up this, uh, this win. And this is me as a national fan speaking, so uh, that should be highlighted. But congratulations, yes. congratulations to Liverpool for winning uh, the 2019-2020 season uh, of the Premier League. Uh, we don't know if it's going to be the start of something new, but that is something that you'll have to tune into uh, in the next episode of the Goldmouth Podcast, where we will dive deeper into uh, standout players, uh, Liverpool going forward, and whether this is the squad to look out for in the next three seasons, and whether there is potential to add uh, new players into this squad, or should they remain as is. Now, I want to move on to uh, Arsenal Football Club. Arsenal Football Club, since uh, the lockdown, uh, since the lockdown or after the lockdown, uh, we had uh, quite a number of losses. And I must say, and one was uh, embarrassing to say, obviously, against Brighton, where we had the lead, lost it. Uh, City hit us for 3 nil, And uh, I know some Jay felt the pain in that one also. But in our last podcast, the one that I was on, I know I predicted that we might not... Not might, we will not be able to clinch that one. But uh, there was the game against Southampton where there was a, uh, a 2 two nil win against uh, the Saints. Of course, in an empty stadium uh, with Southampton um, clearly uh, getting a red card towards the end of the game. Now, I will start with some J, then go to Kennedy because I know KD has uh, burning comments, but I want to leave him burning until everyone has, has had their comment out. Some J. What is Arsenal doing now that we have come out of lockdown and we are now starting to deteriorate in terms of how we play? Because the beginning of 2020 was excellent and there was, there was hope, a glimmer of hope in terms of how we are going to play. What has happened between then, after lo- uh, during COVID and after the lockdown? First of all, I have to recall that KD predicted a game between Arsenal and Southampton as a draw. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it, man. I knew it. <laughs> now, now, <laughs> yo, Actually, moving on swiftly. Moving on swiftly, Sam. <laughs> now, gigs. Yes. You see, uh, I think uh, Arsenal was starting to have some consistency in their in their play after New Year. The way things were going, it was just good because it found when they have not lost a match, they were still full of confidence. But uh, due to COVID, players rested and and again is when people came for the matches behind closed doors. And I can't I can't tell because if you look at the teams like uh, Sheffield United, they also had a, a good run mm-hmm. before that and after. Yes. Yeah, after the resuming of the league, they have just fall down and they are not performing. 
I think it's it just thing that is fe- affecting players' mentality, mm-hmm. actually. Uh, and with Arsenal, you know, Arsenal has mm-hmm. got mo- more problem than the od- ordinary problems. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree we, with we, you. We have, yeah, we have to say that too. Can I, the can likes I, of Gwendozi. Can I ask yeah. a question? Just before you get yeah. into the Gwendozi debate. Now, do yeah. you think, uh, because I, I assume for me, I feel we're in a rebuilding phase. So we should not yeah. put too much pressure on ourselves. But being that we are Arsenal Football Club, the pressure is always going to be there, whether we like it or not. The problem with Arsenal is that we are depending we are depending on the young lads, the likes mm-hmm. of Saka, mm-hmm. Willock, Guendozi, which which should not be the case. Even Mikel Arteta record, uh, said that in a pre- press conference, saying that it's true we are putting too much pressure on the young lads. They should not play as many games as they they have played. Oh, but that's up for debate. That is yeah. up for debate. Yeah. That is due to their developmental aspect. But we should have senior players that are performing. And if you look at Lacazette right now, he's not performing. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it is forcing Ateta to play with Edin Ketia, who is at least in a better form than everyone thought. If you look at Holding, Holding has come from injury. He, he has At least he has helped Arsenal in that defense, defensive part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the main problem with Arsenal is midfield, and you have seen the two games we have played without Shaka. It has been problems. Yes. Yeah, and the game that he came when we were playing Southampton, at least we had a structure in that midfield. All right. So, so, so for you, ideally, we are putting too much uh, pressure on the on the young guys, and they will they are not going to be able to perform the way they need to because of the pressure that they have already. Yeah. Okay, then uh, the, the one thing that I want uh, Kenred to, to highlight for me between, between what Arsenal have been doing before COVID and after COVID, and I'm going to bring uh, this into light. What does Arteta need to do in this case to try and rebuild his team to a level of some kind of success within, not even, because this season is over ideally, but what does he need to plan even for next season? Oh, okay. Uh... I'm happy when Gig says that this season is over ideally because on a light note, this one, <laughs> Arsenal is that kind of team whereby anytime the season begins, where once they have played their first or second match, then they now start thinking of next season. <laughs> so, so I'm very happy when Gig says that this season is over. We know that it was over in the first leg for you. Okay. So, let me let me just maybe look on the issue now of Arsenal team. Uh, I think I'll just uh, repeat what I've always said that uh, there's much to be done. Uh, not only in the pitch, but off pitch. And if you look at uh, what has really been, maybe after Asen Wenger left, uh, they have really lacked something to do with the leadership in this team. Because Aha. every time mm-hmm. uh, we have always had uh, wrangles between players and the coach, uh, we have had uh, different maybe attitude uh, from young players and even the senior most players that are expected to show leadership. And I think that even before Arsenal come to their style of play, 
the only thing that they were supposed to do first of all is to ensure that their house was in order uh, because if you expect the young players uh, that Arsenal have really introduced in their team, the likes of Saka, Ketia and the rest uh, to perform to their best, these players need to have a PC in their mind. And therefore, uh, the only thing that Ateta was supposed to work on first was to ensure that his house is in order. Uh, because if you have some players who are not adhering to the standards of the club, are, the impact that they are showing the team from the changing room is going to transform to the field. And therefore, it will be very difficult to jail the most experienced players with the young players. And if I may say, uh, from the game that we saw Arsenal uh, emerge victorious against Southampton, uh, what I've just said uh, on the issues in the changing room and everything, we saw Arsenal tried to tackle some of the issues, including the when we talk of contracts and everything, we saw mm -hmm. some players who were not... Uh, there are things to do. There was some uncertainty in their contract. Mm -hmm. We saw him handle the issues. Mm -hmm. We saw the Gondouzi issue being brought out and they were able to settle it out whereby Gondouzi maybe showed interest that he's not ready to play for Arsenal anymore and maybe will be leaving. I think handling the two issues really had a very good impact and when the players were going in this match now, at least there was some uh, I would say that I had a relaxed mind and I expected that after the contracts were added to these players, we were going to expect some positive results. Mm -hmm. And I actually, I watched the match. Mm -hmm. I saw an improved Arsenal, if I may say. I saw Arsenal had some shots on target. And this is the Arsenal, even though it was Southampton, but yes. we are actually, we are not used to see Arsenal even had the shots that they had, even if it is Southampton. Oh, so I just oh, oh. factor debate there. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw an improved arsenal, and if Ateta is going to continue working on his house, mm -hmm. then I think even if he will come to the pitch, it will be much easier for him to come up with a lineup that is going to satisfy their fans, if I may say. <laughs> now, now, thank you for bringing up. Thank you for bringing up Gwenduzi. Let's talk Gwenduzi for a minute before we move on to David Luiz. Because those are the two topics I've yeah. been raring to talk about the whole week. Let's talk Wenduzi. What is happening to this young lad? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, Giggs, before even I get to comment about Gwenduzi, I feel like this, is, this was a very good win for Arsenal. It was a confidence booster, especially for the young players, talk of the Willocks and also the Nketias. So yes. last week we were talking about the young players and teams completely relying on young players. And I feel like when you have... Um, these young players performing on the pitch, then this is a very good sign uh, for the team. But then also we don't have to discredit uh, Southampton and the nature of the team that they were playing against. So Southampton ha have been performing very well uh, this season, top of the legs of Danny Wings. We, al we also mentioned this last week. So it was a good win for Arsenal. And I feel like, just like Ken mentioned, Arsenal just have to sort out their off-the-pitch issues. Talk of mm -hmm. players not having um, extended their contract. Right now, you have even one of the senior players who is Aubameyang. And we've talked about this statement again. Aubameyang, who is a senior player, has not extended his contract. Why? Because he's looking at how Arsenal and things that Arsenal will turn out. But this has also been replicated to their, also the, young, the, the younger players. Talk of the likes of Saka. Saka right now has, has not extended his contract at Arsenal. So... I feel like Arsenal still, they really have a lot to do in terms of sorting out the issues of the pitch because this will also be translated on the pitch. So I feel like this job, um, 
Ateta really have a lot, has a lot to do because even though right now even the Arsenal fans are not too happy with, with the extension of contract maybe to to the players like maybe David Luiz. So Thank you. That will also be yeah that will also be replicated on the pitch. So I feel like Arsenal really have a lot to do because when you compare them to some of their rivals, talk of Manchester United. Manchester United have been doing the rebuilding, but then also when you look at United, they are headed towards the right direction. They need maybe one or two players to fix that puzzle. So, but when you look at Arsenal, they need a complete overhaul to be a complete team. So I feel like Arsenal really have a lot to do. And if at all uh, Arsenal are going to be patient with Ateta, then that will also be implicated on and off the pitch. So okay. if, at all Arsenal, if at all Arsenal can sort of the issues of the pitch, then mm-hmm. there'll be a good time. There'll oh. be a good team, which I, I think should take about even more than five years. Because okay. when you look at this current Arsenal team, yes. it needs time. It really needs time. Talking of about Gwenduzi. Let's talk about Gwenduzi. Thank you. Let's talk yeah. about Gwenduzi. And, and, and you know the funny part about uh, the Gwenduzi situation is that at some point, Gwenduzi was being compared to the likes of McTominay. Which is... Which <laughs> Gwenduzi was... Be- for me right now, so you, cannot, you cannot yeah. compare as an Arsenal fan, and there are people that are going to throw stones at me, but I'm going to tell you this right now. McTominay has proved himself more over five times than Gwenduzi has in just this season. Just this season. Let's not even talk about the season it, that he was signed. Just this season, McTominay has proved himself five times over what, I mean, McTominay has proved himself five times over what Gwenduzi has done. Yeah, gigs and let alone even the issue of performances of the on the pitch. You have to compare uh, the issue of discipline. Yeah. As a young player, as a young player, especially in a big team like Arsenal, you have to be humble and show that you can work in that particular team and get uh, to be to being considered as one of the greatest. But when I look at Gwenduzi, he's not up to the task because as a young player, when you're on the pitch and you start comparing and saying that you know what, I'll earn more and I'll we will even earn more than your whole team combined. Speaking that to the other players, then that raises a lot of eyebrows about a young player. So I feel like Arsenal do not need Gwenduzi right now. Arsenal do not need controversial players right now because when you look at Gwenduzi, no, it's no, not no. Perf- no, it's true, Sam. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. This is what I'm gonna I, tell you. I had a feeling. I had a feeling. No. I'm gonna bring up something like that. No, no Sam, Sam, Sam. You have to consider. Look at even the other players at Arsenal. <laughs> And and one player that I've really been impressed uh, about is uh, Saka and also in Ketia. These are young players who know that, you know what, I've, I've not gotten to the point where I, I have to be considered as the great. But then also, I have to work hard to oh, be in this Arsenal team. A minute, when you, a minute. But when, Saka, Saka, yeah, has, but, been, yeah. Saka has, been, has had a big head at <laughs> some point. At some point, Saka had a big head as well. But but he's still performing on the pitch. Which is he's true. Still performing on the pitch. Which is true. Yeah, but but, but when you look at Gwenduzi, I've not had cases of Saka being indisciplined. To be honest, mm-hmm. I've not had cases of Saka being indisciplined on and off the pitch. But when you look at Gwenduzi, he's portraying the type of behavior that you you wouldn't even want to see at Arsenal. Yeah, this is a big club. You do not mm-hmm. want to be having such such toxic players at the club because they'll affect the the dressing room and also the team on the pitch. So I feel like, and I know when you look at Ateta, Ateta is the manager who will not want to have such kind of a player on the team. He'll want a team player and Gwenduzi is not a team player. And I have a feeling that Arsenal will not be having Gwenduzi for long in that team. Arsenal will just have to let go of Gwenduzi because time and again we've complained of the likes of Ozil and them not having the right attitude. But then also you just have to look at the other players too. 
this has been replicated to the young players like Gwenduzi. He's not been performing on the pitch. He's not showing the right attitude for, to playing for a team like Arsenal. I have a feeling that uh, Gwenduzi will not be staying at Arsenal for long. All right. And that I can guarantee you. Gwenduzi okay. will not be staying for, uh, in Arsenal for long. All right. Uh, let, let's keep, uh, let's keep the, the, the comments brief for, 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 for Gwenduzi because I, there's, there's something else I want to highlight. Now, Ken, before, before I, I enter the Luis conversation, uh, what do you think Gwenduzi, uh, Gwenduzi's position now at Arsenal uh, looks like? Uh, I, I think I'll just start from a little bit further. It will be brief. I'll uh-huh. say uh, on the issue of Gonduzi, we know that Gonduzi is a young player and very talented. And uh, with no doubt, Arsenal will not afford to lose this player. And if I may say, maybe take you back to history, whereby mm-hmm. we had some coaches, coach like uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, uh, Sir Alex Ferguson was well known of instilling discipline on his players, more so the young players. And uh, even at some point, uh, history has it that uh, there is a time that he was forced to maybe to throw a boot uh, to his best player, who was <laughs> by that time David Beckham. Yes. So, yeah. we, so if I look at how Ferguson was handling those issues, and even at some point, we have heard when Rooney said that uh, during their time, uh, young players who are below 25 years, uh, Alex Ferguson even dictated on what kind of cars they were going to come in uh, when they were coming for training or for their matches. So when you look at these little things are what maybe will ensure that this player is going to be disciplined and is going to adhere to the principles that have been put in place by the club. But I think I'm seeing a different scenario in this Arsenal team whereby a young player such as Gwanduzi can go out of hand and therefore now it's like he cannot be controlled and he even decides that he's now going to leave the team and we are see we see an Ateta who has run out of options, and he feels like if that is the best decision that is going to work for him, then he better let it go. Because as things stands now, it seems like uh, Ateta is tired with Guanduzi. Guanduzi has proved that he's not going to stay in this team, and he's not ready maybe to change his attitude and any other thing. Yeah. Therefore, the whole team is tired with him, and Guanduzi, if I may say, Guanduzi is likely to be on his way out. And for me, I don't always support young players who uh, are on their peak, maybe, let me say, young players who are promising to leave a team just because of such issues of indiscipline and not maybe playing time. So uh, Gwanduzi's time at Arsenal is likely to be at its end. Yeah. All right. Uh, so that that is from from uh, from uh, guys or fans who are outside looking in. Uh, Samjay, as as you go to Gwanduzi, also highlight uh, why. Okay, this is in my opinion. I think we need to also highlight why renewing of uh, David Luiz's contract is another waste of three million pounds, as I've always said. Uh, we've, we, I've been repeating time and time again, David Lewis' uh, contract extension was one of the biggest mistakes we did, given that we need to look for a centre-back uh, come next season. So uh, first, Gwenduzi, then we, we need to just hop on briefly to Lewis, then we can uh, go to the Chelsea side. Okay, Giggs. Mm-hmm. With me, I think, tricks. you can only teach a younger dog new tricks. Yes. And here, Gwenduzi is a, a younger dog. He can be these things 
these are things that can be instilled in him still mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. say something on Gwendozi. Gwendozi, yeah what is what he said is very bad but i think it is the fact that arsenal does not have those vocal leader players mm-hmm. maybe if we had someone like viera it would have been better but those, the those type of, of leader Yang, these are <laughs> Yeah, these are Abameyang. These are play- leaders that are just smiling with you. That's just <laughs> jokes. <laughs> and, and 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 this, yeah. Actually, actually, when you asked uh, Ken uh, about this issue, I wanted Ken to at least uh, tell us if are leaders being bought or you can mold a leader in your dressing room. Oh, that's an excellent question. That's an excellent yeah. question. Oh my god. Oh. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I also feel yeah. Should we say then uh in the in the in the Arsenal squad is that Ateta needs to now number one put his foot down, number two mold a leader out of that squad instead of trying to look for someone who will come and try and put their foot down because as uh, as Kennedy was saying uh in in the era of United and when United fans start talking about Ferguson they will never stop. Anyway, <laughs> that was on a light note. <laughs> Now, uh, Ferguson was one to instill players, even in terms of what type of car they'll drive, how they'll uh, come to the stadium. Do you think that's something that Arteta needs to do? Even if he's a young coach, put his foot down and say, okay, guys, this is the way we're going to carry ourselves. This is the way we're going to be doing things around here. As compared to smiling and, 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 and joking with everyone, as you said. Yeah, that is a good question. But... but... Another where another question is coming from can you depend on the likes of Bellerin to be your leader people who are not performing on the pitch mm-hmm. and you want them to lead people who are performing on the pitch yeah it is something that doesn't balance okay Actually, so you must have, if you yeah, want to have he, a leader at least he should act as an example in that pitch performing yeah. yes some yeah. if i yeah. may also add my voice on this one yes. uh, I yeah. think on on the issue of Arsenal and its leadership mm-hmm. uh the main challenge where Arsenal is getting is they took too long to mold leaders when yeah. their team was having this during this trans- transformation period mm-hmm. because we have yeah. always seen uh in previous seasons uh different teams having their captain and mostly it comes from a player who has been in that team for a long time we have seen the transition goes from a uh, maybe from a player who played with with a player then uh during that period there is already that transformation whereby uh you, the vice captain is also a person who has been in that team before and has already portrayed those skills that are required from a captain but this one is yeah. a arsenal team whereby they now lack leaders and yeah. a player is signed maybe is just maybe two seasons old or one season old because of his experience and maybe what he has come in with is being given that title and let, let let's face it now it's not always uh, uh i may say that uh, standards for another team does not are not always the same with how the principles works in another team so mm-hmm. just yeah. buying a player from a different team that, and maybe he was a captain or a leader mm-hmm. does not prove that this player is also going to be a better captain for this team and that's why we have yeah. always seen uh, the coaches that we had uh, they will mold a captain a player who has been in this team and when the rest of the players are signed or joined this team 
these are players who will come and they will try to adhere to the standards that have been made. Not that they are also going to come with a new way of, of play or leadership skills that mm -hmm. are not going to work to this. So I think that is the main problem that has faced Arsenal. Yeah. And they better do it now. They better mold a captain now or else they play, the wrangles and the problems that they are facing to do with the leadership will be there to stay. All right. Even before we get to wrap up on this situation about yes. leadership and Arsenal, briefly. let me comment this. So some said that, maybe, yeah, briefly, <laughs> some said that maybe you can have a player like Bellerin who is not performing on the pitch and off the pitch. And let me remind some that maybe you have captains who do not perform on the pitch, but they are still good leaders. And we've come from talking about Jordan Henderson. Very He's not good. a good player, but he shows leadership on, but he shows leadership to the rest of the team. But then on the other hand, you can have a very good player in Lionel Messi, whom is, who is very good on the pitch, but then also he doesn't have very good leadership skills. So I feel like it's up to the players to show leadership. When I look at maybe the United side, we are talking about McTominay showing passion and love for the team in such a way that maybe in five or even six years to come, we'll be having uh, uh, McTominay as the captain for the team. But when I look at this uh, Arsenal team, we do not have this urge from the players to show leadership on the, on the pitch, talk of the senior players or even the young players. No one has that urge. And that's why I started by saying that this has even been replicated to the younger players. That's why even you have the likes of um, Bukayo Saka who do not even want to extend their contracts because you have uh, senior players who are just senior players. They are not showing leadership on the pitch. Talk of mm -hmm. the Messi Tozins or even the Aubameyangs. They are senior players who are supposed to be showing leadership to the younger players, mm -hmm. but then they're not doing so. So yeah. I feel like in terms of leadership, Arsenal really have a lot to do. And I know they really have a lot to do in terms of leadership. Okay. Yeah. So now that we're talking about uh, leadership for, for, for Arsenal, that is, uh, how does, and especially uh, for today's FA Cup uh, tie against Sheffield United and Arsenal, how does that shape up that much, especially given that uh, KD earlier in the podcast had mentioned how uh, Sheffield were, 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 were guns blazing before uh, the lockdown and now they are not, uh, they are not proving the, the guns blazing that they were. Arsenal being coming off of a win uh, in the Premier League and now entering the FA Cup with a chance to go on to the, to the next level. What does this mean for this club? And then also your predictions on this specific game. Uh, in terms of FA, Arsenal is the only club that has won it most. Yes. Uh, and now they stand a chance to go to the next round because of that pride also. But this one should act as a boost to their performances that is going to impact other games to come. Uh, Ken, what do you see? How does the, how does this game shape up for, for Sheffield versus Arsenal? And what do, what do Arsenal have to do just to win this game and go on to uh, the next round? Uh, given that uh, they have just come off of a win uh, against Southampton? Uh, I, I think I'll, uh, I'll just say that uh, when it comes to Cups, Cups are normally a little bit uh, different from the league games. And therefore, I'll say that even if Arsenal has not had a good time during their Premier League matches, uh, when it comes to the FA Cup, it might be a little bit different because you are not supposed to view them the same. We have seen teams come in victorious in these matches even with uh, uh, lagging behind in the EPL. And mm -hmm. I also think that Arsenal is going to this game 
uh, we'll call it a stepping stone, having won against Southampton. This is the right spirit that a team is now having. And I think that most of the players are really comfortable and they are focused on this match, having that they already received what they have been looking for, which was a win. And I maybe if I may predict this game, I think Arsenal is going to emerge victorious with again another 2-0 win over Sheffield United. All right. So you so you think Arsenal is going to take this one today? Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, KD, uh, your, your view on this, uh, given that's why we had the Arsenal discussion, uh, given your view on the discussions we've had, what does this game shape up to be now? Yeah, so some started by saying that Arsenal have the pedigree of winning this particular competition because they have proven it. And that's why it's named as the Emirates FA Cup. So this will be a very good game for them, especially coming off um, a win against Southampton. It will be a very huge boost to the team. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look at Sheffield, um, Sheffield will be coming off the loss to United. So is the game they'll be looking maybe to cause uh, a shocker against Arsenal. But then also, when I look at Arsenal, they have everything to go and win this particular game. But we've talked about FA. Uh, and the miracle of the FA, just like they like to call it the miracle of the FA, we've, we've had the likes of Ipswich Town, the likes of Wigan, and uh, the likes of Sunderland, Derby County, um, surprising the big teams by winning. Yes. So it should, be a, it should yeah. be a good game to watch and expect that. Arsenal should win this one. Arsenal should win this one. I'm and what's your prediction? A, a 2-1 win for Arsenal. All right. Uh, Samjay, as we're closing, uh, we have about uh, five minutes I can close the show. Uh, what is your... Uh, prediction and view on this game. I'm seeing Arsenal winning this one a two nil the way Ken has also predicted. All right, so two, so yeah. we will we will wait and see. I I think for me uh, Arsenal will take this as well two nil, uh, given the fact that uh, also Southampton we we hit them for two nil and maybe Sheffield United might not be as motivated uh, off of the United tie. Uh, guys, again, thank you so much for joining me on this special episode of the Goldmark Podcast. This was more so a congratulatory uh, podcast to Liverpool and just looking at how far they've come, but also gearing up for today's matches, uh, that is Sheffield United versus Arsenal. Of course, you'll be listening to this podcast if you uh, if you listen to it later on during the week uh, when the game has already been played. But uh, this was a special episode uh, with our special guest, that is Kennedy Olwoch from Brussels Football. And uh, we appreciate every single fan that, uh, that supports us on the Goldmouth Podcast. As usual, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Goldmouth Podcast and on Twitter at Goldmouth underscore pod. Uh, follow us on Anchor.fm, the Goldmouth Podcast. Find us on Google Podcast. Find us on uh, Castbox. Find us on Anchor and also on Mixcloud on our official page that is mixcloud.com slash Africa. Follow Brosis uh, Football Club also on their Facebook page and follow Kennedy Old Watch on his personal pages. That is Kennedy Old Watch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I've been your host, Gibbs, alongside KD. And of course, alongside Sam J as well. Uh, Kennedy Old Watch, anything you want to leave the fans with before we close the show? Uh, yeah, maybe I'd just like to thank everyone for listening to the podcast. And I hope that we are going to interact more during our sessions that we'll always have. And feel free to contact us as Brosis Group, and we'll be happy to work with you during this time. Thank you. Excellent. Uh, as usual, stay safe. We are all one team, even this time of lockdown. And remember, follow us as we follow football. Uh, see you next week.